Imagine if Sanchez kicked the ball out of play after, threw the ball out of play after catching the ball because he was pretending his hamstring was injured. And then Brighton brought on free subs while this was happening. And then Unai Emery got booked during this as well. And then we threw the ball back to him. We'd be stringing up Cash or Dina or whoever it was. Mad decision. Yeah. You know exactly what's, you know he's not injured. Look at him now, you can see him standing up. He's obviously not injured. Don't give us back the ball, you morons. This is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. I think the only possible bad thing about Aston Villa winning a game is the next game. (laughs) You get a moment of joy, mostly relief, let's be honest. But sometimes it just feels like it's delaying the misery. And you know, you know there's another game coming down the tracks. And you know there's another one, another one after that. You beat United on Sunday, well, you're just going to have to go play them again midweek. We, we rarely get to just bask in the warmth of a Villa win until today, until until this Christmas. That's right, you and I, Emery, has steered Villa through and completed the Christmas schedule already. He has he has Villa 12th by Christmas, and he's just backed up a United win with a cracker result away to Brighton. And most importantly, we've been given six whole weeks to just sit back and enjoy it and i actually think we were full value for it as well liam like for for 75 minutes maybe maybe that's being kind but we looked extremely comfortable we showed the character and backbone we were begging for and i feel like we just cut through them much easier than they did us and we got ahead we stayed ahead and, and we stayed together stayed together all the way through to that huddle after the final whistle and can you just imagine me now just going about my November and December this year thinking about that huddle. You're know, thinking thinking fondly of Danny Ings walking down the street and just laughing about Emmy Martin is when I remember it. You know, just enjoying this bloody win and savor it. Yeah, it was certainly a different type of win that we're used to as well. I mean <laughs> I'm not sure how this Brighton team have caused so many teams so many problems. I mean, all you have to do is play a, a six four knot formation. Get <laughs> Get every player in your team booked with late lunges, time wasting, and being a cunt. I mean, it's it's embarrassing, really, for Chelsea and was it Wolves they beat last week? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the template is so simple. Honestly, you know, like do, do you know what the most frustrating thing is? In in two or three months' time, we'd win that game three 0 And do you know what the really satisfying is thing is? Is that we won that game two one tonight? <laughs> but I actually think it was Brighton that got away with one there. I, I think. We knew exactly what we were doing, what would work, but we just didn't really do it. We did it really badly. Like we didn't, we didn't control the game enough offensively or defensively, but we we should have. The space was there for us to exploit, but the players didn't do it. I and mean, then we didn't squeeze Brighton's space probably quickly enough, especially in the first sixty minutes. Brighton were really good between the boxes. To be fair to them, but luckily for us, Lewis Dunk was really bad between his ears. <laughs> <laughs> come back to Lewis Dunk um, and our manager I mean my god what a manager he's talking about some of the late changes that were basically imposed on him with Ollie Watkins and Leon Bailey going down injured and he doesn't just shoehorn Danny Ings in like which a lot of people would do because he got a striker put him in for another striker and 
he's thinking, well, D- Danny Ings plays better in between the centre halves, and we need people on either side of them. So we had to change the shape a little bit, and it was like fucking hell like why is that such a relief to have a manager thinking about how to get the best out of his players but um anyway we'll come back to some of the tactical decisions that, that we've made throughout but the first goal from a brighton point of view i mean great 46 seconds and you're in the lead but i mean my god how do you start with this one because we thought we were getting away from robin olsen for good and <laughs> emmy martinez has taken some inspiration from him and his pass to Doggy, I don't think it's a good decision, really, because he should see. Like, he delays it, and that just encourages McAllister to push up. And he should see McAllister pushing up, but he plays it anyway. And then, I mean, I think if Doggy wants it as well, he should look livelier. I'd actually blame both of them in this case. I think the pass is bad. It's delayed. Bad decision. Doggy needs to waken up, get into space. If you want to go get it. And then if you are going for it, you know, don't. Don't just anticipate a foul. Don't hope for it. Go get the ball under control. And if you get fouled, you get fouled. And, and then and then Emmy just like finishes off the sandwich then by diving out of the wave and McAllister finish. In-step finish. It's not even like he just absolutely blazed it. He in-stepped it straight down Emmy's throat to dive out of the way. It's too casual for Martinez. The, the pass is nowhere near clean enough. Again, it's that, it's that classic situation of one of our players either pretending to be more confident than they are or being more confident than they fucking should be. I mean, if you're, if you're going to take that much time standing on the ball, if that's how long you need to find a pass when you've got 10 teammates in front of you, then you better have fucking found the pass by the time those seconds have ebbed away from my fucking life watching you stand <laughs> over the ball. If you're playing that pass, then rattle it into his feet as well and force him to pop it off. And if you're playing that pass... It would preferably be to somebody who looks like they're fucking sentient, who looks like they they know where they are in the fucking world, who looks like they're interested in receiving the ball. I mean, Dougie looks like he's thinking about what he's going to have for Sunday lunch, dreaming of a big fucking juicy bone. Get your head out of your arse. Your keeper has the ball. Your two centre halves don't want it. We all know that, for fuck's sake. You're supposed to love chasing footballs around. Go get it from him. But the really frustrating thing is... Martinez is playing someone who's licking his own balls, no interest in what's going on around him. Doggy <laughs> should be looking for it, but he's not. So don't play it. Yeah. And why is he taking a touch? Not taking a touch, what am I talking about? Why is he trying to take a touch in that position? Pop it off to Mings. Like, Mings is there. Lallana's about to fucking injure himself, shuffling into space. Play it past him. <laughs> his mate Jamie Carragher there thinks it's amazing from Lallana. He blocked the initial pass to Mings and then he opened it up again immediately. The outball to Mings on our byline is always on. That's part yeah. of our DNA. That's the Aston Villa way. Give the ball to fucking Mings there. <laughs> the Aston Villa way. Find your centre half on the byline. <laughs> um, we've, we got back into it though. We got back into the game and like we saw the stats. Brighton hadn't lost from a leading position at home. In 20 games, something ridiculous like that. I think they'd won 15 of those games as well. So we don't even lose many points in that time period. But Villa get back into it and it's it's Mings. <laughs> it's Villa way. It's Mings who, I don't think it's a good pass. He bobbled <laughs> into, into Kamara. Like just, I, I, it reminds me of um, Ji Sung Park. No pass appreciation. Every time I saw him playing a ball, it was like, He's made everything so much harder for his teammates by just bobbling it up for them. But Kamara gets it under control 
and he gets away in a tight area and he gets it to Buendia who drives diagonally he does he just takes that space off, off the defender who's trying to track him and love that plays a three ball to John McGinn who we decided on Thursday maybe he can only run or only kick the ball well here we go make him go run after the ball make him go run after it and hope that he gets fouled before he gets on it and has to stop dead deciding what to do it is a great run in fairness from him Lewis Dunk appeals he appeals he appeals that he hasn't fouled John McGinn here. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, like, about three minutes earlier, I don't know if you remember, Lewis Dunk had one of the most pathetic clearances as well. He had all the time in the world. And he put his foot through it, and it went sky high into the air. It was, it reminded me of, um, you know, like, one of the older boys in the street when you were younger playing football, and they asked for a touch of your ball. Somebody standing with a blue bag of cans in it. And... <laughs> And when you get, that's exactly what it looks like. And you give him the ball, like here, here, lad, he gives a touch of that ball, and you give it to him, and he just fucking leathers it away, and you're like, you absolute prick. <laughs> that's how Lewis Dunk was playing today, and he had the goal to appeal when he made that foul on John again. It was it was lovely football, and we had started playing lovely football for a few minutes before. Not the Lewis Dunk thing, Aston Villa. We started playing a lovely football for a few minutes. We. We just gotten over the shock of the initial cock up. I mean, it's it's a great ball and it's a fantastic run. And he knows Dunk is coming, and that all he has to do is get there first. What in the name of God is Dunk trying to achieve there? I mean, yeah. even even if McGinn doesn't get there, Dunk isn't touching that ball either. It's like it's like a, it's like a defender sliding in to clear it off the line, but he just can't get there. Except this is in the middle of his own fucking box. Yeah. Like, like he's never touching that ball with that slide. And this won't be easy for McGinn either. Everything is moving so fast, McGinn and the ball. Let him try to control that and get a shot away. See where his touch takes him, because you might be able to fucking react to it. Yeah. And, and you know, you know, there's no love loss between me and Austin McPhee, Conan. But there is no way that if he was at Brighton, he wouldn't say it to Sanchez just before they head out. By oh. the way, if they get a penalty, don't move. Like, like it's essentially whenever whenever we have a penalty and Danny Ings is standing over it, the opposition should be setting up for a counter attack because the goalkeeper should just be catching it in his chest, and the fucking the celebration, the very arrogant celebration for someone who hit one of the worst penalties that's ever resulted in a goal that I can remember seeing. Yeah, I mean, they're all good penalties when they go in though, Con, aren't they? No, they're not. Sorry. Well, Jamie Carragher said he just had the confidence to go right down the middle. Oh, did he? Did he? Imagine my shock there. And and he also pointed out he keeps his head down the whole way. A lot of them are doing that now. <laughs> Jeez, like, talk about just buying another lottery ticket. I want to come back to that in WhatsApp when just believe it or not. But, um, <laughs> but, but it was Danny Ings again who got us in front then after equalising. Um, and it's... Oh, Cash gives it inside to Kamara. And do you remember after we played Newcastle, I was talking about Bruno Guimaraes just playing these dink balls for the wingers they come running off and they were just lovely little chips over the top but he was doing it over and over how could we not figure it out Kamara did it Kamara just took that ball off cash and said away you go again pal you're, you're not done here and he just sits it in behind the fullback and cash drives and he's strong and he gets across him he gets into the box and he makes it as hard as possible for Buendia to score <laughs> Buendia does well though like a diving header goes off the post 
And then I think it's JJ's putting a bit of pressure on the left, and then McAllister, Douglas Louise gets his revenge. I don't know if you saw Douglas Louise after he made the tackle and the goal went mm. in, he turned around and started screaming at McAllister. I am <laughs> I am all there for that, but Ings doesn't so much sit Lewis Dunk down as he just gives Lewis Dunk room to continue on his airborne journey across the box. <laughs> I mean, like, talk about telegraphing everything you do. And he, he gets lucky with the finish, to be honest. Like, I thought his first touch was heavy when he should have had time and space on his right. He gets it on his left nicely, anyway. And then it looked like a feeble enough left-footed effort. Maybe it would have trickled into the far corner, but it just went into the near post. I don't think Sanchez reacted too well, to be honest, but maybe it happened quickly. It's a terrible ball from Buendia at the start. Is it Buendia that plays the ball over the top? Is it Kamara, did you say? Uh, Kim- Kamara plays it over the top to Cash, yeah. I think it's a bad ball. I think it's a defender's ball every day, but it's absolutely atrocious defending. Like he must have, he must have been following Adam Adam Atrori's skincare routine. Like how easy it was for Cash to slip past him. <laughs> defender's ball all day. And Matty Cash has a routine fifteen yard pass to his teammate who's free in the middle of the box. So naturally enough, he fucking smashes it at him head. <laughs> but it's a really good header from Wendia given those circumstances (laughs) and you're being really generous for us there I mean I think it looks like Brighton have gotten into their own heads because the press from Ramsey and Wendia isn't good like it rarely is I don't know I don't know where McAllister thinks he's going to either he obviously didn't read the beware of doggy sign on the gate he was trying to Lewis Dunk sells himself so cheaply you'd be worried about his self-respect and his fucking bank balance and it's it's lovely from Ings initially, but Jesus Christ, I mean, Dunk was, Dunk was a bit too eager to buy that. You'd be worried about letting him answer the front door. I mean, I'd say I'd say he comes back with an extra suitcase of plastic landmark models, 14 pairs of sunglasses, 56 glow sticks, and 12 LED helicopter slingshots every time he goes on fucking holiday. <laughs> and the terrible, terrible finish from Danny Ings. I mean, it was going wide at the other post. Yeah. And I know, I know Ings is close to the goals, and it's a big deflection, but there's nothing on the shot, and even less after the deflection as well. I'd be fucking raging if Martinez didn't make a decent effort at saving that for Aston Villa. And Sanchez looks like he's a fucking frail the ball, and he's trying to usher it away without touching it. <laughs> I mean, you have to respect Ings, though. Like, he talked about his arrogance for the penalty hit to run out, like, to tell the Brighton fans to keep quiet, sit down. And then to cup his ears after he puts that one away, then as well. Like I'm all for, I'm all for a striker with too much confidence. <laughs> and then, and then, the penalty shot, the other penalty shot at the other end. Bit annoying because Villa turned the ball over, and we had I think three players around it, loads of space. John McGinn just floats it down the wing. There's nobody there. He knows there's nobody there. He's He's, he's, he's doing it like Villa were in the 96th minute. It was it was pathetic stuff, really. There was no Villa player there. Ings was at the other side of the pitch. Brighton come back down that same wing, and there's a man over again on that same wing, and we turn it over again, and look at Dean. It's just too casual, and it's, it's just too slow. It's, it, it's sort of like McAllister there. I don't know what he's expecting, and by the time he eventually engages his brain, he's just booted. Whoever the Brighton player was coming in, and yeah, like I think it's a penalty. Um, I think, I think it's a clear penalty. Don't know how much sympathy I feel, though, considering it was Brighton. The Trezeguet should have had a penalty against under Smith when he just got booted in his own box as well. 
Yeah, I think is it. I think it's Sully Murch, is it? It gets to the ball there, and then Dinya dummies the left foot smash up the pitch, and then just clears it with his right foot, his standing foot. Does a little uh, flick out after, Mar- <laughs> after Marsh. It was gets- Sully Murch. Who? It was Sully Murch who fouled Trezeguet as well, fittingly enough. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean. Of course, we were given a massive out with those glorious words that Jarrett Gillett is on VAR. I mean, he's not fucking overturning that, is he? There's not a hope in hell that Jarrett play on Gillett's going to be overruling that. He, he gets the ball first, he pokes it, then it hits Dina. But I, I assume that's what he's thinking, that it hits Dina standing foot, so Dina wins the ball before he kicks through him. But Dina has no fucking clue where the ball is, and then he just volleys Marsha's standing leg. It was a bizarre decision. Yeah, I think the VAR honestly saw one angle, saw the other angle, and and thought with the other angle, geez, maybe it did hit his standing leg, and then didn't bother looking again, just, just <laughs> carried on. And, and and he is the boy; he's my hero, who I was t- calling for about a year or two ago to come into the Premier League. He is the boy then who I think we started a podcast with you saying if he was mic'd up, all you would hear was him saying, "Nah, nah, not for me, not for me." <laughs> That's exactly what the referee heard today when he was <laughs> wiring down on VAR. Don't think so. Can't give it. Carry on. But uh, we got away with one there. But I think we deserve the win. And we'll talk about it some more uh, in the awards. But first, we'll go to WhatsApp wages. Okay, couple of fines to hand out. I mean, Emmy Martinez, a shit passes to the fullbacks continue. I mean, this time, this time is to look at Dean on the left. Obviously, this time it's out for a throw-in again. I mean, Emmy Martinez is finding touch way more than Tyrone Mings ever used to now. And again, we're always asking, what's going to happen if that doesn't go to play? It's just landing on top of the fullback's head. It's a shit pass, but every way he slices. Yeah, I think I remember bringing this up maybe about a year and a half ago. And it just particularly the ones that are floating out of play, and there's a bit of dead air on the other side of the, the conversation because I don't really know if you noticed it. And then it did go away, but Jesus Christ, is it back with a fucking vengeance now at the minute? I mean, what was your man big cuts at? Like, does he not think goalkeepers should be able to pass the ball to their teammates? Like, why is Martinez better at hitting a 70-yard through ball? Than he is playing a 20 yard pass it's fucking madness <laughs> that's a good question um <laughs> i don't know <laughs> maybe we'll just come back to that 70 yard three ball later on but like these passes have to stop they're they're, they're crazy and the only other fine being handed out is for bubakar kamara for trying a shot not even from john mcginn range from the center spot a snatch shot a volley that's up at hip height and he tries to volley it all the way over Sanchez, and I don't even know if it made it out for a goal kick in the end. It certainly sliced horribly. It was feeble. It had no trajectory that was ever going to lob a goalkeeper who was 12 yards out when you're 50 yards away. Um, yeah, we, we said we'd introduce a fine for people shooting from too far out unnecessarily, and, and here we are. Yeah, but Conan, the imagination behind it, you know, the arrogance of it. Surely, surely there's a few brownie points there. He's trying to spank a ball over a six foot six goalkeeper who's not off his line. Yeah, I feel a bit joyless now, but like I, I, can, <laughs> I can imagine fining him for for not having that adventure as well when the goalkeeper's off his line. <laughs> First WhatsApp wins. Why do Sky even bother showing these games if they don't want to? Like, just don't show it. They don't. If you want to show Burnley and Blackburn. 
up until 1.56pm and then you're <laughs> going to cut to an ad break before the Premier League match of Aston Villa and Brighton. Just don't show it. I, I get that you have to agree showing each team a certain amount of times every season. But just 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 wait until the like they're they're playing the teams you want to play. And that's annoying for people, but like this is worse. This is worse. Like you're you're throwing it on like you're you're throwing us a bone and it's it's just annoying. It's pathetic. Like the lack of regard the sky have for their own product sometimes really baffles me. That have been burned too many times. I mean, the, the lack of regard that Aston Villa have had for the viewers at home so many times this season. I mean, every time we've turned up on Sky, it has been fucking stinking. So I can understand why they didn't actually want to give it a bullet. But what could they have talked about? All the footage they have of Aston Villa this year is atrocious. <laughs> Nothing to talk about pre-game. Yeah, all the footage is too long as well because it's, it's Villa players time-wasting. <laughs> The second WhatsApp wins. Takings off penalties now. <laughs> this, this can't go on. It can't go on. It's, it's going to get caught out exactly like I, I, I told you. Almiron's going to get caught out. He's not going to keep scoring. Although he, he, he did get another fucking assist for fantasy football users the other day as well. Not my team. But um, Ings, is he's not going to keep scoring these goals. It's, it's pure luck at the minute. He scored four goals, four penalties for Aston Villa. Watford last season, straight down the middle. Bolton in the Carabao Cup, a little to the left. And actually, it was that bad to the left, I would have rather gone down the middle because it just, this relied on the keeper going the wrong way. And at least when you hit it down the middle, the keeper, for the most part, usually dives. And if the keeper had a dove this way, he definitely would have saved that. Brentford down the middle, Brighton down the middle. Like, Jesus Christ, like you can't keep... You can't keep getting lucky with a scratch card. Yeah, he actually he mishit today's penalty as well. I mean, imagine mishitting a penalty down the middle. Maybe it's better off that he's not aiming for the corners because he couldn't even put it straight down the middle today. And Sanchez nearly saved it. He got his hand to it. And you're right. I mean, I I think the the big the most surprising thing here is keepers aren't just standing for it. Why are they not just standing for his penalties? Because I the last one I thought. That, he hasn't looked at the keeper, and that was the thing that we were really giving out about. And then I sent you a screenshot of it. His head looks... He's, he's almost looking at Emmy Martinez's head is so far down towards the ground. <laughs> it's unbelievable. He has no care in the world about where the goalkeeper is. It's madness. I, I actually just assume that everybody coming out for games, like every goalkeeper with their goalkeeper coach or any coach, are just looking at a little chart or even before the penalty's taken. Yeah. Here's where here's where all the penalties have gone. No, no, no. I'll let you guess. Like, look at that. Seventy five percent have gone exactly down the middle, and another one has just gone a little bit to the left from the middle. Yeah. So yeah, I would advise that you stand. If if we if we can get Emmy Martinez to line up a wall for an attack and set piece, then surely a goalkeeper, whenever a penalty is about to be hit, can look over at their goalkeeping coach and he can just point left, right, or do a symbol to stand in the middle. As in point to the speed, like that's all he has to do. It's like based. This is where I'm. This is where I'm recommending you go. Then you can make your judgment based on his body movements and based on Danny Ings' body movements. The fucking coach will be right. <laughs> what, what an evolution this would be! You know, bringing em- Emmy Martin is up for our penalties. Just stand the edge of the box and pointing that the keepers just not exactly in the middle of his goals is he really he's not exactly in the middle of his goals. Telling the referee that he's got a foot off the line. Are you keeping an eye on that? Just. 
just causing anarchy up there and then having players days the box pushing to try and shut him up would be amazing. <laughs> Point at the goalkeeper and ask him, does he want him to go in for him? <laughs> the third and final WhatsApp wins. Not sure if you like this one too much. Ah, come on. Let's fucking send it every so often. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I do like it. I mean, we're, we're not set up to play out from the back every time we have it. I mean, we have no idea how to how to get each other out of trouble. I mean, we're playing the pass and then we're and then we're hoping the person who receives it can find another pass. That's the really frustrating thing. The amount of times you would see the ball coming into Dougie, eventually coming into Dougie after it's gone through the four defenders and the goalkeeper. And then he's playing it to the fullback, and then he's not going to get it off him. Cons is not moving into space to get it off him, and then Cash is just whipping it down the line. Same thing happening on the other side. It's mad. I mean, when you play the ball to somebody, you should be making sure you're the first person who can take it off them as well, because you know who you're passing it to. You've got the upper hand on the movement here. Nobody else in the pitch knows. So yeah. play the ball, go get it back off him. At least give him another option. The amount of our players who play the ball and watch to see if the other player can pass it to somebody now. It's insane. It's going to take a lot of coaching, and thank God we've got the we've got the break coming up as well because I think I think it's needed. Yeah, like it, that's it. It's it's not it's not really up to the player on the ball to to try and progress these passes through the lines or across the defense. Like it's up to the other players to be free. And when we were doing it well against United last week, it, it was clear the players were dropping into these pockets of space, and it was all there every time. Play it to them. Like the passes on. Play it to them and. When that doesn't happen, and then like like Thursday night, I don't know what teams were changed, but when United are strangling you a bit more, and it's going to happen going forward as well, teams are going to cop on to how you're trying to break out. Then, then you need to be a bit more imaginative. You need to go for a second run. Like I can't believe we're saying that two podcasts in a row now. The first run doesn't work. Try a second run. Try and, <laughs> try and get free for that. But yeah, it definitely does require a lot of work. I'm very excited that we've gotten. A big break now to go into and actually just work on that stuff. It's perfect timing. We got two wins as well as a complete bonus to get into it. And uh, let's see what sort of magic we can muster up in the six weeks that we're off. But the the amount of times as well, because we were passing it around, because teams are now expecting us to pass around, the amount of times the ball over the top was then on. We got through (laughs) a lot because of it. And that's just that small evolution of being able to suck teams out a little bit. Now, I know Brighton are very aggressive with their press, so it won't always be quite as on as that. But Jesus Christ, there's so many opportunities for it tonight. Mm. Okay, we'll pause that there and then we'll come back with the award categories. Good evening. I wanted to speak directly to our supporters to confirm the transfer of our captain, Jack Greedlish. And now we've been gutted. Organ donors for the rich. Boston's taking our kidneys. Yankees are taking our heart. And to explain the background to this move. It's an unfair game. We offered Jack a new contract to stay at the club. Like this is business as usual. It's not. We agreed to incorporate a so-called release clause into his contract. Billy, that's trouble. Billy, if I may, uh, he certainly has had his problems off the field. Jack finally decided that he would like to go to City. We're trying to solve a problem here, Billy. Not like this, you're not. You're not even looking at the problem. We have planned accordingly. We've got to think differently. 
It was never our intention to replace Jack with one footballer. Guys, who's still trying to replace John? I told you we can't do it. We can't do it. Our strategy was to analyze and break down Jack's key attributes. Now, what we might be able to do is recreate him. Recreate him in the act. The what? A walk. His creativity, his assists, his goals. That's what we're looking for. And to find these qualities and others in three forward players. Three ball players, three ball players. And in doing so, have also reduced an over-dependency on one brilliant footballer. Add that up and you get... Emiliano Buendia, Leon Bailey, and Danny Ings. They truly are the future. If we try to play like the Yankees in here, we will lose to the Yankees out there. I don't know what that means. The Ronnie Rosenthal Award, the big ball over the top. Emmy Martinez might not be able to find his fullbacks from 20 yards away, but by God, he can pick out a striker running in behind Lewis Dunk. <laughs> like, not great defender from Lewis Dunk. Maybe if he had a step back, he could have had to clear that ball from, from Emmy Martinez, but maybe Martinez just played the man. It just drops in behind him, and Danny Ings is away. It, it gets blocked it's out for a corner, but just with one pass, we've taken him out and we've gotten gotten a shot now for Douglas Ruiz <laughs> yeah it's a great ball and when the opposition have put on a press that's the time to not play it to a cloud watching Douglas Ruiz standing at the edge of your own box <laughs> get it fucking up the pitch if they press that tight and if Douglas Lewis Dunk is one of their centre halves here's one for you another nomination is well I don't know if it's a nomination but Dougie wraps in an amazing corner again it drops about a yard out are our players becoming too complacent now? And they're not attacking his corners? <laughs> like, I think Cons is all wrapped up. Cons, like, oh, yeah. yeah, but goes out for a corner. Maybe it's not really him because like, the defending's decent, but where's everybody else? Like, where, They're all just watching Douglas Louise shit from the corner. For, like, <laughs> I, I honestly think they're not going after the ball enough. Like, it's, like the, the one against United... You know, a couple more that we've seen that haven't gone in. If a player just gets in there, gets their head on it, blocks somebody, like it might go in, but we're just we're just letting them shoot. Yeah, I think it's it is is a Casado with the back post holding off Kanza, and he does do well. It's strong, but he's fucking he's smaller than Kanza as well. I want Kanza to be a bit more aggressive. There, get in front of your man. You should always be in front of yeah. your man in the corner, or trying to anyway. And yeah, you're right. It's just everyone's just watching it. It's like we're all standing back for hands on our hips, watching a free kick. <laughs> This was great. The the little interplay between Ings and Buendia and Ramsey down the left. I mean, just that little tight pass from Buendia and Ramsey's first touch. When you, when you think, oh, is that going to go to play? And then bang, he's just, he's just away. Then it's not going to play. It's tight. It's glorious. And then Ramsey, the Ramsey pass to Ings then is just so nice. Uh, Ings takes it away from the defender. It's a good touch from him. And he pulls it across to McGinn. But McGinn is making his way into the goal line to say, you know, give it to me in here. And obviously it's played behind him because that's that's not a run that John McGinn offered him, really. He has to hold his run. I think Ings' ball is good and if McGinn just holds his run, he would get a shot. Oh, you, f- you think his ball to nobody is good? That's interesting. So did Jamie Carragher. Jamie Carragher announces it's really good from Danny Ings. He doesn't really get his head up. He just plays it into an area. How are those two parts of that sentence related? They're not. Fucking listen to what he just said. You sound like a fucking moron. 
really good doesn't get his head up. He's a professional footballer. What are you talking about? Is that never the good. He's talking about? It's, <laughs> it's never good if a footballer doesn't get his head up. John McGinn should hold his run, but he hasn't. He's run into the middle of the box, play it across to him. Don't just pull it back and hope he's where he should be. He's not there. Yeah. Maybe I'm being a bit harsh on John McGinn. John McGinn won the ball back for this uh, next chance that we got. Douglas Louise dinks it into Danny Ings. Danny Ings lays it off very nicely to Jacob Ramsey arriving late at the edge of the box. <laughs> and, uh, it's a good block from Lewis Dunk. Let's give him his due. <laughs> I'm surprised that we see Jacob Ramsey go for the bottom left. It might have been going in, but geez, I'm just I'm just so used to seeing him whip that into the top right corner. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant for McGinn. That's, this is the thing about us as well. We're so well set up for a press with a profile of players we've got around the pitch. And McGinn does brilliantly to win it. I think the pass is from Buendia and it's absolutely disgusting. And then the touch the touch is lovely to pop it out to Ramsey. And I'm not really sure why he's hit it at the only place that it will be blocked as well. You're right, he has to lift that because we all know that Lewis Dunk is going to present himself and spread himself across the pitch for you. So lift it over the top of him. Yeah. Here we go. We're getting a theme here. The assist to the assister. John McGinn, short corner, but this is all Leon Beatty. Takes it along the byline. Like That's another classic example of team thinks now you're going to do something and you do the other thing. They think they're probably going to clown around. I certainly thought it was going to John McGinn's arse. He brought his arse back today, by the way. But, but then Bailey just says, nah, I'll take this into the box. Goes along the byline. And uh, he gets it outside to Ashley Young, hits it half volley, left foot, pulls it wide. But ah, nice move. It's it's absolutely brilliant from Bailey. Yeah, you're right. Just the the intuition, the, the thinking. I'm sure he wasn't told to do that. I'm sure the set play there was for everybody to get into the corner and get around McGinn's arse. <laughs> and, the, and the cross isn't good. It's, it's He plays it with his right foot. It's, it's not too good. And it gets blocked down. And that's the moment. Like that's what makes this performance worth it. I mean, Ashley Young has to take that moment. He has to hit that ball properly. I'm sure he's still thinking about that. You know, when you connect with a ball really badly, you really fucking feel it. Yeah. Feel it in your fucking heart. Almost like, oh, what a waste of time. What a waste of an opportunity. I can't believe I pulled that so much. And I'm sure I know Ashley Young's been playing professional footballer for twenty years, but I'm sure that was a bad, bad feeling. <laughs> Um, and, but the winner has to go to Brighton at the end. Was it the 89th minute? Colwell's header. Like, very frustrating because Villa were just so slow to push out. They really look like they died on their horses. Um, and the ball comes back in from Pascal Gross. Like, if we have so many players back, how is somebody with so many players back and nobody's pushing out? I thought at least we'd be set up in the middle of the box. And the six yard line, and it's a free header. And fucking hell, does he butcher that like it was court in the house stuff the way it came off his head and went over the bar? But geez, we got away with one there. Like, I haven't, haven't deserved to win, I think. Like, we definitely deserved to concede there. Yeah, it was, it was actually Tyrone Mings versus Chelsea esque. It was, he got so far under the ball, it's unbelievable. <laughs> um, and yeah, you can think about. You can talk about the fact that we deserved to win. You can say we did everything right. But like, is it worth it? Was all that cynicism worth it? Was all that sitting back worth it? If this is just the type of thing that can happen at the end of the game? I don't think you're doing it properly if you're going to be presenting chances like this. I think I remember people talking about the great performance Ireland had out in Russia. 
and then you think about it, it's like Richard Dunn cleared about six shots off the line in that game, and that's not a good defensive performance. That's one man getting back and covering for everybody else in the team, not defending properly. If they're getting the shot from six yards out, then we haven't the performance is incomplete because that's absolutely something that shouldn't be happening. Yeah, I think there is a question, um, and we'll sort of hover around us in the Glam Wheeling Award later, but I, I don't think we needed to play like that because. I sort of mentioned it earlier. Brighton had one chance the whole game, seventy five like seventy five minutes of that game, and that was a cock up from us. Like we, we gave them their only real chance, their only real sight at goal and and then we just invited the pressure on then. I, I feel like we didn't need to do that. I feel, I definitely feel like we did it too early. Um I think we would have looked more comfortable through what ended up being a long period of time if we had a just kept the shape a bit more further forward, put pressed the ball better, kept Brighton back a bit more. But we, like even when we had you know Young and McGinn on, like they were just running past those boys down the wide areas. They didn't they didn't struggle to get down the wide areas. But even though we tried to tried to block that, we would have been better just pushing out. And and I think this was a symptom of it then when we had so many players back, nobody pushed out, and it just allowed those free crosses to come in. Yeah, I mean. They only had one big chance, but that was maybe because of how we played as well, particularly in those closing minutes, because they were always going to come. I can see why he did it. And I say one of the reasons he did it was because we had so many players who were fucked. And he made a lot of changes as well. And then maybe trying to give those players a bit of tactical input at that stage of the game. He just didn't trust it. He didn't want to try to do it. A lot of players haven't played a lot of time, a lot of minutes as well. I can see why he did it. Maybe it was a bit early and it's not how I like to see out of the game, obviously. But I have a bit of sympathy with it. I mean, he had to take off Ramsey. He had to take off Buendia. He could have taken off things. You know, there was there was loads of players on the pitch. There were loads of players on the pitch who were done. Even Kamara, was, he was getting leggy towards the end. McGinn had run himself into the ground. Ashley Young looked fucked. He was only on the pitch for about fifteen minutes. You know, it was, <laughs> I, I, I think the, I think that's definitely how you asked him to set up in those last couple of minutes. But I, I would say the players probably would have ended up drifting into something fairly similar anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, we'll come back to that one. I think we'll go to the Robin Olsen "What the Fuck" award. <laughs> uh, Emmy and Dougie, really. Like, who do you think was worse there for that for that goal? I, I think because the ball's at Emmy's feet, he should take most of the blame. You know, he's the one who decides to play it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And then, not long after, I don't know if you remember Mings' attempted clearance. I mean, Kanza got a tackle <laughs> down the, the right-back area, ricocheted into the air. Two Villa players there. Mings says, don't worry, it's mine. Well, it's not, is it? <laughs> he threw his right foot at it and he completely missed it. And it was like, just, just a classic, Jesus! And nothing happened, but didn't. <laughs> Didn't need to evoke that reaction in me. Yeah, but you know, how often have we given out about Aston Villa players not doing something? Two of them just looking at each other and waiting for the other person to do something, and then somebody else is running through the ball. At least yeah. Mings took control. Well, he didn't take control of it really, <laughs> did he? I think uh, anytime Emmy Martinez kicks go straight through to the goalkeeper, that should be mentioned as a what the fuck moment. <laughs> um, John McGinn tried to slip a sneaky no-look volley from the sideline to the edge of our own box under the fence. Um, 
he was lucky enough he got away with that as well. He just fucking bull. He just drilled it, drilled it back to the edge of the box, brighten players around. Man had no idea what was going on, and he tried it anyway. I think he saw Kamara, and he just didn't see anything else. That was it. He just thought, "Here's my midfield partner. I'll give it him." And didn't realize that Kamara had two bright players right in front of him. That was a, a mad decision. And even the the difficulty of playing that pass as well. I mean, the technique required to play that pass could very easily go wrong. Never play a sixty yard pass. It's difficult to play back towards your own goals. That's what I say. <laughs> Nomination for Leon Bailey. Uh, tries a back heel to actually Young down the right-hand side and he, he, he missed it and went straight to Caldwell and then he tries it again a minute later. This time around the corner and doesn't make it and that's like that's what leads to him like, Jesus, like trying a, <laughs> a karate kid type of move or a judo move where he's swinging around whoever it was gets a yellow card and like that really compounded my fantasy football team this week because Leon Bailey uh, comes on when he gets one point for that and he gets the yellow card gets zero points yeah and we'll all cry ourselves to sleep tonight now thinking about that <laughs> but it was um, it was so strange it was like Leon Bailey had just been woken up from a nap and he, was, he wasn't given any instructions like you have to play Leon get up there get in there quick it was, he was playing a completely different game I was like Leon we're not fucking back healing the ball to each other right now that's not what we're doing are you trying it again? What the fuck are you doing trying it again? That's more like it. Fucking rugby tackle into the ground. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's the winner? Probably the Emmy Martin is one that led to the goal, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Emmy Martin is, is Ronaldo not taking his shithousery award? <laughs> so many different variations of, of time wasting and shithousing here from from the man himself who did pick up a second yellow card uh second yellow card in succession for time wasting now so we, we're wondering how did they only have one well here here's two in two weeks now under you and emery so maybe we've got more of this to look forward to but the first the first iteration of it was him coming to pretend to try and catch the ball like superman <laughs> like sort of jordan pickford with the two fists together and just coming past the ball and letting it go for a goal kick and and then doing a big loopy run to go back and get it. That that was the start of it, anyway. Yeah, that was that was absolutely glorious. That was you know, that's what you learn to do when you're a ten year old. And whenever you first do it for the first time, you're so proud of yourself as well. You're absolutely taking the piss. You know, you step over a ball and let it go out for a goal kick. <laughs> it shouldn't carry through to a thirty year old professional footballer. <laughs> the yellow card one I mentioned. It was it was actually a good attempt. I'm surprised the referee cottoned on did he. He just left the ball and went over and squared up to Lewis Dunk. Like, I, I actually, I'm really surprised the ref did sort of have the confidence to give me a yellow card for that one because it was just, I don't know, I, I thought it was a good attempt from him considering he, he has so many bad attempts through it. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was really, really innovative of him. I'm, surpri- I'm, I'm surprised as well, especially Chris Kavanagh. I didn't think he would have the balls to do that. Yeah. I, I, I am surprised that he got caught for that because I thought it was good. It was like, this is interesting. This is another little evolution. evolution. This is the type of thing that we talk about. What will he do next? And I thought that what that was really good because I don't think Lewis Dunk had done anything. He just was the nearest Brighton player. So everyone <laughs> just walked up to him and pretended he was having a scuffle. <laughs> Yeah, one thing he didn't get caught out for, uh, not in the commentary box anyway, was throwing the ball straight out of play, <laughs> making making a save and chucking it out of play. And they said in the commentary box, 
well, he did have concussion a couple of weeks ago, so maybe we probably shouldn't make light of him looking for treatment. <laughs> it's like, there, there it is. He's done the groundwork now, and now it's just it's coming back. It's paying dividends for him. Yeah, he's not concussing the hamstring, though, is he? I mean, <laughs> I cannot believe they gave us the ball back after that. I cannot believe it. I mean, imagine, imagine if Sanchez kicked the ball out of play after threw the ball out of play after catching the ball because he was pretending his hamstring was injured and then Brighton brought on free subs while this was happening and then Unai Emery got booked during this as well and then we threw the ball back to him we'd be stringing up Cash or Dini or whoever it was mad decision yeah. you know exactly what you know he's not injured look at him now you can see him he's standing up he's obviously not injured don't give us back the ball you morons yeah and Trossard knew he wasn't injured. Like he saw him just sort of for fuck's sake, you know, when he threw the ball out, you know, like signaling to the referee, going, Come on, like what what's happening here? But then Trossard was the one who gave us the ball back, and not only that, he, he missed it. He tried tried to put it out for a throw in and he missed it. He, he went for, tight to the corner flag and it went to the wrong side of the corner flag and he gave us a goal kick and gave Emmy Martin his another opportunity to go walking over for the ball. <laughs> set it up on the six yard line, come back, take his big deep breaths as if it's Ronaldo taking a performance free kick and then um, boot it out. Yeah, he's he's taking is he like a fucking rugby penalty taker here? Yeah. It was unbelievable. He's just lumping the ball up the field and he has to he has to get this so spot on. It's unbelievable. And yeah, Trossard couldn't have put the ball further away for a goal kick as well. Amazing. <laughs> so there is something nice about getting a win like that because you know how much it winds people up. It's nice to stick together. You know, the players will be buzzing after it. You know, they'll feel a bit dangerous, sir. <laughs> they'll feel a bit bad and that, that, that'll be good for team morale now as well. And um and it was it was certainly good seeing the reaction online from some Brighton fans and I've just I've just seen this one guy who's been coming back and forward he's trying to let it go and he keeps he keeps picking up his phone and tweeting again and I've got four tweets from him here I don't know if he's tweeted since but starts off with Aston Villa are filthy time wasters I want to smash every one of their players heads in right now they all just look so annoying <laughs> it's like it is nice having somebody talk about your team like that. Picks up the phone again and he goes, if you're an Aston Villa fan, I hope you're happy. You're cheating, disgusting, time-wasting. That was definitely fun for you to watch. <laughs> I mean, it sort of was. And then that one's got too big of a response. It's getting ratioed, so he tries to take a high ground then with V stands for Vile Villa Var. <laughs> and then he goes for something a bit simpler. What is fourth tweet? Hashtag Villa the Time Wasters. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's something nice about that. And what I would say is if Brighton fans were that incensed, you could have let people know about it in the stadium. That is one silent, dead stadium. I mean, I did see a lot of them getting up in arms on Twitter, but it really doesn't generate much of an atmosphere, does it? No, it didn't seem to. Um, and the, the the weird thing about him being so pissed off is that probably for the first time this season, the fourth officials added on eight minutes. Yeah, I mean they got they got all the time they deserved. It was incredible. He didn't add on the extra time for him squaring up to dunk. To be fair, he he cocked that one up, but he did he did give them eight minutes, and they were just bad. They were bad in possession. That was Brighton lost that game themselves. 
we were scumbags. It was annoying. We probably shouldn't have got away from, got away with it. Like I said, was it effective? Was the cynicism worth it? If we're just going to give Caldwell that fucking absolute sitter in the six-yard box, probably not. Imagine how annoyed we'd be if Caldwell scores that goal and we've wasted all this time and we've been cunts for the whole game. It would be fucking unbelievably irritating to have seen that happen. So if we're going to do that, we want to be a lot more fucking clinical about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the winner for the Shithousery Award, especially because he didn't get called for this, is throwing the ball straight out of play. Imagine doing that and getting away with it and then getting a goal kick after it all. <laughs> the, well, you know what? We're going to have to decide now what's going into what. Do you let Glenn Whelan take a 90th minute penalty award or the Tim Sherwood we played two number 10s and bamboozled them award? So some nominations that are up in there. I don't know where they should sit. And it starts of course, with a 6-4-0 formation. And I really like seeing this because it is a formation that stood to me so well during my FIFA playing days. <laughs> um, talk about shithousing, I really just loved annoying people online with it. They couldn't get past me. But the thing was, I put all my players to work. I mean, I don't think this formation works if you have Bailey and Archer in your midfield. <laughs> Not against those two players. Why were they... Why would they be good in a bank of four holding out on midfield? They're they're not those type of players. They should be they should be your strikers. They should be further up the pitch. And I don't think it works if McGinn is left back either. <laughs> I don't think he's a good left back as much as he ran his heart out today. He just, just kept seeing players running by him down that right flank. Yeah, I mean, it clearly doesn't work to have Archer and Bailey in your midfield four because there was so much space in between our back six and the yeah. midfield four as well. And they're, they're so bad at it that they couldn't even press from the front. So Kamara had to do it all. Kamara was the guy who was pressing dunk when he had the ball and he was the guy covering back in behind him because none of the other midfielders were able to do it. Yeah. it that's what I'm saying. It didn't really work. I, I didn't mind him trying it. I think the game was going that way. But it, it didn't work and he didn't have the personnel on the pitch to do it either. Yeah, I think a positive nomination is for the use of Danny Ings and getting the most out of him. What about... What about John McGinn in general? Like, you know, playing him uh, sort of had me back up after his performance on Thursday night. I thought he still had a few bad habits. Probably used his arse too much this time, even though I said I missed it on Thursday. Um, And then I was wondering, after 46 seconds and Douglas Louise does that, I was like, you know, we, we always say Dougie does weird things when he goes back to number six. Maybe... Maybe it's not the position that fucks with his head. Maybe it's just McGinn and Ramsey being in the same midfield as him. <laughs> Douglas Louise just reverts back to the worst of Douglas Louise. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what it is. It's an, an infection that's spreading through the team. John McGinn was definitely better tonight than he, than he has been in a while. I think that was the type of game that suits him as well, though, as in we had 30% possession of the ball so the less he's on the ball probably the better because he kicks it away so often mm. and he definitely wasn't the worst player in the midfield tonight that was he definitely was better defensively than than jacob ramsey jacob ramsey was an absolute disaster we can come back to him maybe i will just talk about him now jacob <laughs> ramsey was atrocious in defense it was it was like watching jack Grealish, except he wasn't playing as well as jack Grealish was playing during that season it was 
he, he was passing the book. He was just he was letting people run past him, and he was pointing to Tyrone Mings to go cover. And it's like, no, cover, what are you doing? This is a fucking unbelievably bad habit for you to be picking up this early in your career. Like, I couldn't believe it. I don't think I've ever seen him play like that before. Maybe he doesn't like playing on the wing, but he's fucking playing on the wings. So get used to it and get better <laughs> at defending when you're there, because that's where you can pick to play. You can't just let people run past you and point at them. And yeah. as if Tyrone Mings didn't have Danny Welbeck running around like a headless chicken that he had to worry about. I mean, you can't just let midfielders run past you. Yeah. You, can't, you can never do it, especially when you're under siege and you're away and you're trying to dig out a massive result. It, it it really was and it really needed to be all hands on pump. So like I, that, that is, I was going to say, is that a good, I suppose, Tim Sherwood nomination, really? Was getting him off. Like it, it, it might have seemed like a big call to some people. Um. And it was funny that it was actually Young coming on, but of course it was actually Young because he's playing over. <laughs> and this is now through Dean Smith, through Steven Gerrard, and through you and I, Emery. It's like wherever we need this player to play, he's going to play. Yeah, oh, like he, he could have taken him off ten minutes earlier. He could, easily could have taken Jacob Ramsey off after about ten minutes of the first half or the second half, when you could see how the game was developing and how he was responding to that. Or you could have taken off Buendia, who was offering nothing in defensive setup either, and pushed Ramsey further forward, taking the responsibility away from him. But Buendia was good on the ball. Ramsey was good on the ball twice, maybe tonight, so it definitely wasn't worth it. It was an easy, an easy decision to take him off. And this is what Jacob Ramsey will do for the next year or two of his career. He'll have games where he's absolutely shite. The last one on the menu is the time wasting as much as I enjoyed it um, and as much fun that I'm having seeing people getting so rattled by it I don't know if it's actually worth it anymore like so I'm, I'm saying I don't think we need to play that way anyway I think psychologically physically you know we just shut down and we gave them all the encouragement that they didn't have for most of the game but then we didn't actually waste like any time I don't think we wasted 8 minutes with all the stuff we did so it's not worth it. I mean, eight minutes is getting added on. That's getting added on after we've just spent 15 or 20 minutes just sinking deeper and deeper and deeper. And like eight minutes is another long stretch to to get through. I, I really don't think the payoff is worth it until it's injury time, really. Or like maybe 88, 59th minute where they don't seem to count anymore. Then you can start your time wasting. But bringing it out in the 74th minute, like that, that's just not going to be good for my heart. <laughs> yeah but the other way to think about it is they did only get one big chance after we did that so, you know but the, the chance is huge it's absolutely glaring as well the time wasting within the eight minutes was really good nothing happened in those eight minutes it was incredible that time flew by and it was just a lot of ratty play knocking the ball out of play there was one that was played down the wing to John McGinn and he, he was either out of play before it got them or he t- took it out of play and then he just ran alongside the guy for fucking ages up the sideline <laughs> until eventually he fell over. And all these little bits, all these 10s and 20 seconds weren't added back on by the referee. Of course they weren't. It was Chris Cavan. <laughs> all right, let's go to the Vyman meter. Going up, I've got Ezri Konza. I thought he was very good tonight. A lot of interceptions, a lot of clearances. Yeah, he was just honest. He just looked alert all game. Yeah, Konza was very good tonight, yeah. yeah. Going up, Trossard for giving us that ball back after Emmy <laughs> threw it out. <laughs> and also maybe just a mention for his screamer that went in after a whistle went. You just don't see that, do you? Like, you see people shoot before, usually they miss after they shoot after the whistle. Um, but fuck me, Emmy Martinez tried to save that and he's 
he's spun, he's facing away, left foot, he's facing towards the left, and he's just hammered it into the top right crossbar off the post, and then it was glorious. Yeah, over Emmy Martinez's hand. I didn't fucking like that flapping at that. It was over his head. I mean, Emmy Martinez can touch the crossbar when he's standing up. So how can he not touch a ball when it's under the crossbar? Yeah. Going up, Douglas Louise, even though he fucked up to start off with, I thought I thought it was a real mature performance from him. I just think he's really in the groove. I think he's, I don't know, he's playing like a grown-up, really. And he... He played like he really wanted to make amends for that, and it was fitting that he did make a an interception for a tackle to, that led to a goal then further up the pitch. But he was pressing all over the shop. I don't know. I just feel now when Douglas Louise is on the ball, I'm definitely a lot calmer than I used to be than when Douglas Louise is on the ball. But I'm also <laughs> calmer than than when other players are on the ball. It's like when it gets to him, it's like, oh, okay, he'll do something. He'll get out of this. He's, he seems strong now. He's using his body really well. I don't know, I'm really enjoying him. He's even better than Project Restart, Dougie. That's that's how good he's playing at the minute. And that's yeah. how good he's been for the last couple of months. He's been absolutely brilliant. And he's just a really consistent centre midfielder now that we've got. That's great. Going up, Danny Ings, because we spend enough time slagging him. <laughs> and anytime your striker gets two goals, they come from behind, a 2-1 win. Whatever type of goals they are, they all... <laughs> They've all been counted. Going up, fucking Danny Ings is go- going down his goals per minutes ratio. Sorry, he's he's fucking he's, he's not doing too badly. I mean, for someone who gets called lethal and then we laugh at it remorselessly and mercilessly for ten minutes every podcast, he's not doing too badly. <laughs> yeah, and like not not really a Rossenthal nomination for him today. Just the one that was a corner, but I just wanted to, that wasn't really a, that big a chance. It was just a good pass from Emmy Martinez that I mentioned. You know, so no big chances missed for him. Just, just all, all business like delivering. That's all he did today. Yeah, lethal. Going up, interesting one because he sort of frustrated me sometimes. I admired the heart, so maybe deserves it on the Vyman scale. And I did see a bit of a split opinion on his performance, but I think you're leaning towards him going up as John McGinn. Yeah, I mean a lot, a lot. But he's definitely helped by the fact that he couldn't go down any further <laughs> in my book. But like the fact that he he did he, he ran around a lot, he got his body in the way, he played one or two nice passes, he won the penalty just from pure heart of getting there first and understanding that Lewis Dunk was the guy that was tracking him. I mean that's that's using athleticism and your brain. And he played a fucking left back for twenty minutes. I mean he has to go up. Yeah. Do you know what? I'm not gonna have anybody going down just because it's Christmas. <laughs> So I'll go to questions we can't answer, but probably will. Is Jamie Carragher just going to spend the rest of his life hating Aston Villa now? <laughs> All because of his mates? Like, is this what's going to happen? Like, the way he was talking about Tyrone Mings, I thought was crazy. I thought it was so trigger-happy. Mings sometimes looked like he might have moved the ball a bit quicker, and it was just such confirmation bias for Jamie Carragher. Dithering, he's always at that. Tyrone Mings, big problem in his game. It was like, Jesus, fucking relax. He hasn't done anything wrong here. Um, the way he spoke about the the time wasting, like, I know that would have been frustrating, but he was lauding Newcastle just yesterday because <laughs> of how they were doing it against Chelsea. He compared him to Atletico Madrid in a very positive light. He seems so disappointed with the Caldwell miss. Like, genuinely just like, ah, oh, like, 
sometimes there's a there's a balance to strike there where it's like you're involved in the game and you, you feel the emotion and you can think what the fuck it was like I, I get that we, we agreed there we thought it was a penalty but my god I, I don't think I've ever heard him say anything as often in his entire punditry career than Brighton should have had a penalty there mm. so much so that he turned around and started whipping up the fans behind him really <laughs> weird carry on Um, I just thought it was quite clear that his mate is stung, and now he's stung, and he's going to hold that against Villa. Yeah, isn't it absolutely mad that we he doesn't need to be watching or play or watching a Liverpool game and commenting on a Liverpool game for us to see how unbelievably biased he is? And it's it's not just his his best mate getting sacked for being shit. I mean, what a weird thing to be annoyed at a club for. I mean, look at Aston Villa now compared to what they were like under Steven Gerrard. Look at how they're set up. Look at how they're playing. I mean, you know that Gerard did a bad job. You have to know that you're a paid pundit in football. And talking about the penalty, well, maybe maybe try to explain to us why the ref might have given it. I mean, you know, I know you don't, I know you think it's a penalty, but there's reasons why you might, why Jared Gill might have given it. Then you should know the rules. You should know what should be inside the referee's head. Maybe try to explain that for us, seeing as we're all fucking paying you to do that. And not only. Stephen Gerrard as well. How pathetic it was! Like he, he loves he loves Danny Ings. He like he was praising Danny Ings for not lifting his head twice. Danny Ings pulled the ball back across the edge of the box, and he said he did he did brilliantly there by not looking up. Well, he, some of us thought the same, you know. <laughs> he said he had the confidence to smash a penalty down the middle without looking up. It doesn't take confidence; that takes idiocy. And then he was praising Adam Lalana for walking in between Emmy Martinez and Tyrone Mings and pulling his hamstring while doing it. He was praising him for it. He said it was amazing. He said he said he was always oh, only on the pitch five minutes, but what a contribution! Well, he walked towards the space between Martinez and Mings, and he's saying he's done enough in those five minutes to be taken off. Go go have your shower, pal. Go have a fucking kebab. You've earned it. Unbelievable. Just because he played for Liverpool, you fucking pathetic. Yeah, that was it. Was pathetic. Like just, just tone it down a little bit. Like you know, we get that we're all going to have some sort of a uh, bias. You know, whether we want it or not, it's going to be there. Yeah, but Colin, on. this is an Aston Villa podcast. <laughs> I suppose the only other question we can't answer. We've probably said enough about this man, but the one thing that really intrigues me is. What does Ronaldo think he gets out of Piers Morgan's relationship with him? <laughs> like, does does he think that that's that that's going to come across positively? I mean, maybe he has shown such a lack of self awareness that it, he's just not going to have awareness of other people now as well. But it's such a weird, it's such a weird relationship that the two of them have that Ronaldo thinks this is going to look good for me you now to chat to Piers Morgan over and over because he's pathetically just been slagging Eric Ten Hag all season and calling me the goat. Like, it's just, is, is that what, what, what strokes his ego? I mean, I, I actually thought more of him, to be honest. And uh, yeah, th- thinking, thinking doing an interview with Piers Morgan is in any way going to make Ronaldo look in any positive light. It, it's, it sort of really sums up where his head's actually at. You're asking, is Piers Morgan putting out tweets saying Ronaldo's the GOAT enough to struggle? Yes, it is. <laughs> Ronaldo, in the interview, kind of, he's making jokes about how he looks compared to Wayne Rooney. Yeah. He's a fucking 40-year-old man. 
and that's where that's where he's headed. He's a forty year old man who is in the top five footballers of all time, and he's making jokes about the fact that he hasn't let himself go. You know, like what is he talking about? Like it's unbelievable. Why is he doing that? Like that, his ego is so bruised by Wayne Rooney questioning the fact that he's thrown his pra- toys at the pram and he's trying to leave the club that Wayne Rooney is a legend for. Of course, Wayne Rooney's going to speak about that negatively. Is he mad? See Wayne Rooney speak about that and then maybe think, should I be doing that? I mean, I am getting paid 300 grand a week to be at this club. Maybe I shouldn't be desperately trying to manufacture a move. Maybe I shouldn't have stopped playing for the manager last year. Because I was still in Man United's hands last year, by the way. Those fucking players fucked up not getting into the Champions League. I know the manager was a joke and a clown and it was an absolutely preposterous decision to give him the job in the first place. But he's got the job. Now you can fucking try and get them into the Champions League if that's what you're so desperate to do. If you're going to if you're going to try to leave the club after you don't get into the Champions League, then try to get into the Champions League. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's probably going to be the end of him now in the in the Premier League unless he comes back with the armband now in Boxing Day fixtures. <laughs> <laughs> it was just seven days ago he was wearing the Manchester United captain's armband. Like I don't know how he landed on that one, but we already spoke about it in the last podcast. And if you want to go back and revisit that, then you can. Um, there's a whole back catalogue there if you are bored now over the next six weeks um, that you can you can dip into whenever you want and please share the podcast on and subscribe and all that rest but apart from that all we can do is wish you I can't wish you a happy Merry Christmas can I? We might be back at some <laughs> stage over the next six weeks but do enjoy the fact that we have ended the Christmas period on a high and we'll be back on Boxing Day. Thanks a million for listening and we'll see you later. Get on.